So um, about four months ago, we did a church-wide survey. And many of you guys remember that survey. Um, you, you helped us with that. Um, and the reason that we did the survey was because um, we wanted to see since the last time we did the survey, when we were at Thomas Jefferson Middle School, if we were still as effective as a church at reaching people who don't go to church. And one of the things that we were wondering about was, and we'd been warned by some folks, is that once you move into a more permanent space, you become like more of a real church and you appeal to more churchy people. And so as the, you know, the vision here is to be a church for not just the church people, but for people who don't go to church. We were like, man, I, I hope that, you know, our, our percentages haven't dropped too much in, in the, you know, the time that we've been here. And so I'm, I'm really um, just very pleased to, to let you know, if, if you didn't hear, um, when we were at uh, Thomas Jefferson Middle School, we were about 37% of the people coming to Grace were not going to church before Grace Community Church. And then we did the survey four months ago, and we actually, our number went up. So 39% of you all were not coming to church before, um, before coming to Grace. And we're just like super, super excited about that because we believe that that's, that's the vision that God has called us to. Um, also in that survey were some, some fun things. So we get to ask some, some different questions and we switch it up each time we do these surveys. Um, and so we asked like, what are your favorite things? And, um, we're just going to do a little like kind of interactive shout it out. I want to find out if you know, what is the favorite book of the Bible here at Grace? Who knows? What's the favorite book? Call it out. Romans. What, what we got? Acts. John. Not yet. You don't have it yet. Psalms. It's the Psalms. Okay. By far and away, the most popular book here at Grace. Okay. How about our favorite food? What's our favorite food? Pizza. It's just that simple. Okay. It's pizza. It always has been. It always will be. Um, how about favorite drink? Yes, it is coffee. It is coffee. These answers are way too easy. Let me try and give you a more of a difficult one. Okay. What is the favorite type of music? Metal, heavy metal. I love it. Okay. Anything Joe Mappa sings. Okay. What else we got? It is country. It is country music. We were shocked to find this out. Shocked. But it is actually country music. Uh, I happen to like country music myself, which is weird because I was born in England. My parents still don't understand how that happened. But um, there is a country music song with uh, the chorus that goes like this. God is great. Beer is good. And people are. Yes, people are crazy. People are crazy. Does anybody have any crazy people in your life? Anybody? Okay. If they're right next to you, don't raise your hand. Okay. All right. So how do you deal with the crazy people, okay? How do you deal with difficult people? That's what we're talking about today. And uh, we are in the middle of a series called Jesus' Greatest Hits, where we're looking at his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which we find in the, uh, the gospel account of Matthew. And we're tracking all the way through uh, Matthew chapter five. So we pick up today this one section of his sermon. Um, Jesus is really, he's talking about how we deal with difficult people. Okay, so in these next few verses we're going to look at today, uh, I hope that you find some things that are, that are really helpful in navigating those relationships in your life. We pick it up in uh, Matthew 5, 21. Jesus says this. 
You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. So as you think about the difficult people in your life, okay, you're like, all right, how are you doing on this one? Everybody good so far? Okay, we're good so far. Beautiful. It gets a little tougher, okay? Verse 22, Jesus says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Whoa. (laughs) Hold on. The bar just went way, way up, right? Um, You know, when I think about the difficult people in my life, if Jesus is telling me, like, I can't even be angry, I mean, that makes me angry that I can't, if I'm just going to be real about it. I mean, after all, isn't anger like a normal human kind of God-given emotion that we have access to and and isn't it actually unhealthy to like bottle our anger up doesn't that manifest itself in all sorts of bad ways Jesus what what's going on here and what about the apostle Paul in Ephesians 4:26 who says in your anger do not sin I mean by that very verse we see that anger isn't necessarily a sin right I mean and after all when we read through the bible we see God gets angry sometimes. And what about this theological term, righteous indignation? You know, righteous indignation means when we get angry about what angers God. I mean, we can't do that. Like, what's up with all this? What's Jesus saying? Well, I want to really zero in on verse 22. And we're going to read the entirety of the verse now. And I want you to notice a word that... um, that stands out, okay? Jesus says, one more time, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell, Woo, okay? But the word there is someone, very important, okay? Jesus isn't talking about anger over an issue, like an injustice or an evil, okay? Jesus is talking about when the focus of your anger is someone. Notice that, okay? The the focus of your anger is a person who is created in the image of God. And Jesus says, that's not okay, That verse, Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. So anger becomes sin when instead of attacking the problem, you attack the person. Very important, okay? So in dealing with the difficult people in your life, here's the key. Attack the problem, not the person. Big distinction. Attack the problem, not the person. And I will share with you one of the greatest hacks that I've ever discovered in my life around this principle of attack the problem, not the person, okay? This is for dealing with all sorts of conflict and, uh, and just you know difficult people, difficult conversations. Here's the hack. You ready? Use I statements instead of you statements. You, you might've heard this before, okay? But maybe you just need a little refresher, okay? Use I statements instead of you statements. So uh, some examples of some you statements are these. You don't listen, you're not helping, 
You just don't care. Now, those statements may be absolutely true. <laughs> that, those words coming out of your mouth to another person, that, that is, you nailed it, okay? But put yourself in the position of receiving these words for a second. Someone's saying them to you. How are you feeling right now? You feeling good? Okay, what happens is all of a sudden you feel under attack, right? You're the person being attacked. You don't feel like the problem is being attacked. The problem is you and you're being attacked. So what if instead of using statements like those, which could be true, but are not helpful and they're not effective. What if you tried to attack the problem and not the person? So instead of you don't listen, what about this? I don't feel like we're hearing each other. (coughs) Same basic thing. Okay, what, instead of you're not helping, I feel overwhelmed and would appreciate your help. Instead of you just don't care, what about I really need to process something? Can we talk? Does this feel a lot different? If someone's saying these to you, are you amped already? Are you defensive? Are you under attack? Big difference, right? The truth is, you statements inflame but I statements tame. They just bring it down a notch. So attack the problem, not the person. You know, um, anger also becomes sin when you go rage mode, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, heard about this uh, Dallas Cowboys fan back in the playoffs. Cowboys were in the playoffs. They lost badly at home in Dallas to the Green Bay Packers, okay? Yeah, there you go. Sorry for all the Cowboys fans out there, okay? But, um, but after, after the game, there was a guy down in Dallas, and, uh, and he, in front of all of his family, because someone recorded it, uh, he, in front of all his family, just went up in his family room to his flat-screen TV, took the flat-screen TV right off the wall, walked it out to his driveway, set the TV down on his driveway, and proceeded to run over it with his pickup truck, okay? Now, this brought such great joy to our lead pastor, John Sly. I cannot even tell you. Um, it's, it's unbelievable, okay? That, that is when you're just, you've, you've gone full rage mode, right? You've gone full rage mode. Look at what the American Psychological Association has to say about that. It says, research has found, notice this, research has found that letting it rip with anger actually escalates anger and aggression and does nothing to help you or the person you're with, you're angry with, resolve the situation. So just just a word, okay? Um, The next time that you are about to go rage mode, ask yourself this question. Am I running over my own TV right now? Okay? It's really the question to ask because it might feel good in the moment, but it's actually doing nothing Nothing to be helpful. It escalates things. Okay? Now, Jesus continues. He says, verse 23, So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Notice these words. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now, this is such an important moment in Jesus' teaching. What he's trying to show us is that all of our relationships are interconnected. Our relationship with God and our relationship with others, they cannot be separated. 
They cannot be. So if you have a problem with somebody, you, you've, got to, you've got to deal with that before you, you go to God. And what this also illustrates is that God's desire for all relationships, okay? Your relationship with God and your relationship with others, even the difficult others in your life, God's desire for all relationships is reconciliation. Now, the reality is this. That is God's desire. God wants us to be reconciled. But we live in a broken world, don't we? We all have free will, don't we? So reconciliation, it's not always going to happen. And, and we know this. Um, maybe you've heard this expression before. It takes one to forgive, but it takes two to reconcile. So reconciliation doesn't always, doesn't always happen. And, um, and also, um, and unfortunately, there are uh, many of us who, who know this firsthand, but um, there's also cases of really dysfunctional relationships. Uh, there's cases of abuse. There's cases of stuff that's just, it's just messed up. It's, it's evil. And, um, and to reconcile in those situations may actually be putting yourself back into harm's way. And God does not want that. He does not want you to put yourself back in harm's way. And, and so I just want to say, if, if maybe you're dealing with a really, really dysfunctional relationship, um, I want to offer you two resources because this sermon will not will not you know, adequately address something that dysfunctional. The first one is um, Pastor John did a sermon back in July called "Better Boundaries," and that that is an amazing amazing uh, message to listen to. A great resource. And then the other resource is what Anna mentioned um, just a few minutes ago: Safe Harbor Counseling. Um, Sometimes you just, you need someone who is professionally trained to help you walk through something that's really dysfunctional. All right, but here's, here's the main thing we can't lose sight of that Jesus is getting at. God's heart for all of our relationships is reconciliation, okay? So check out what he says next. He says, when you're on the way to court with your adversary, sounds like a difficult person to me, okay? You got a difficult situation going on. When you're on your way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. I love that. Settle your differences quickly. Because, I mean, we know this. The longer you leave something that's funky, the funkier it gets, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. So settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Well, what's Jesus talking about here? Well, I want to zero in on this, these words, your accuser. Okay, so in difficult relationships, if you're like me, you often see that difficult relationship, you see the other person as all the problem, right? Let's just be honest. They're the issue. And the only, the only way that, that it affects me is that they trigger me, right? I'm just reacting to their, their, their stuff. I'm actually not the problem at all. In fact, if I had to put percentages on it, I would say like 100%, 0%, okay? I mean, that's just, I'm just being honest, all right? But I think those words, your accuser, what Jesus is saying, and don't miss this, okay? It's a little... This can be a little tough, but just receive it, is that we have some culpability. We have some. 
Now, maybe not in the most extreme dysfunctional case, but, but in most of the difficult relationships, we've at least got 1% of the problem, right? There's, we, we can take ownership of something. And so how you deal with difficult people, Jesus way, is own your 1%, okay? It's probably not just 1%, okay? But, <laughs> but um, own it, own it. And um, I would say, especially if you consider yourself the more spiritually mature person in the relationship, the onus is actually on you. Just own your 1%, okay? Now, uh, some of you may already be thinking this, but what about them? What about their 99? Like, what's gonna happen with them? And, and here's what I wanna share with you. Uh, sometimes you're gonna do this and they're not gonna reciprocate. They're not gonna own anything. They're gonna be like, oh, thank you so much. You know, and uh, that's not what you were looking for, was it? Not at all. What I want to remind you of is uh, what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, 18. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And really, that's just it. We can only worry about what we can control, right? All we can do is to own our peace, It takes one to forgive, but it takes two to reconcile, right? You can't control that other person. But as far as it depends on you, do your part, okay? That's what Jesus is asking you to do here. Someone's got to go first. It might as well be you. Now, Jesus goes on to say one more thing on this topic. He says, verse 26, and if that happens, meaning you don't settle your differences quickly, right? You end up like still going on in this conflict. If that happens and you don't resolve, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. What is Jesus trying to say here to us? He's saying that unresolved anger will imprison you It will control you. It will weigh you down. And Jesus simply, he knows you, he loves you, and he wants you free from all that. Uh, So a number of years ago, uh, my dad and I um, had a major, major issue in our relationship. And That issue caused me to basically evaluate the whole relationship and say, you know what? I just don't, I think I'm just gonna completely cut my dad off entirely. And that's actually what I did um, for a long time. I I said, I'm just cutting off all ties, all communication. And I have to tell you, it felt good. I felt justified. I was like, man, this is, this is, yes. And um, that, was, that was actually working just fine for me for, for a season. Um, but I was also in a, in a phase of my life where I was really um, spiritually hungry. I was, I was really pushing in to God a lot. And uh, so then I'm like, I'm just, I'm praying a lot. I'm trying to hear what God's saying to me. And um, that actually presented a problem for my relationship with, with my dad because what I started to realize, and some of you already know where this is going, but what I started to realize is that God 
has reconciled with me. What I realized was that God cared so much about me that he came to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ, took on human flesh and bones to, to lay down his life for me, that through faith in him, I could be made right with a holy, perfect God. Not through anything that I do or have done in my life, not because I'm some great person, but just because he said, you know what? Out of my grace, through faith in me, You'll be, you'll be reconciled. You'll be made right in every way. And when I understood that, when I, when I really grasped that, what God has done to reconcile with me, I realized kind of what Jesus is illustrating a few verses earlier, right? That if God's gonna reconcile with me, I have to reconcile with others. And I remember getting to that moment and hearing that and I said, oh no, I don't wanna do that. I knew I needed to do it, but I didn't want to reconcile with my dad. And um, I have to tell you, um, it was really tough. I, I remember that first time that we sat down face to face. And I got to tell you, I'm not trying to glamorize anything. I mean, it was awkward. It was, it was one of the hardest things I've done in my entire life. But I, I knew ultimately that I needed to do it. And you know, the thing about forgiveness and reconciliation, both of those things are actually a process. I thought they were like one-time events. Oh no, no, they're not. They take a long time and it's, 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 it's really challenging. But I also have to share with you that reconciling with my father was one of the most freeing things I've ever done in my entire life. Because I didn't realize how much it was just weighing me down. Uh, there's a, an expression, the heaviest thing to carry is a grudge. So um, I, have a, I have a friend who um, carries a rock whenever they're upset with someone. And it's not like a little rock. It's a good sized rock. And the rock is a physical reminder of a spiritual reality that you're holding on to something that is weighing you down. And my friend says that the deal with her is that she carries it with her at all times until she either realizes, you know what, this issue isn't that big of a deal. I'm going to let it go. Or I need to make things right. I need to address this situation and try and get to a place of forgiveness, reconciliation. So God doesn't want you weighed down with anger, with bitterness. God wants you free from it. I want to ask you, that difficult person in your life, what does God want you to do about that relationship? You know what you want to do or what you've already done, but what does God want you to do? Have you sincerely asked God 
Have you prayed and, and really been willing to receive what God has to say to you? What does God want you to do with that person who's also created in the image of God? You know, maybe you even can see that person in your mind's eye right now. And I want to ask you, what would it look like to attack the problem instead of the person? What would that look like for you? What would it look like for you to own the 1% with that person? Now, maybe um, there's a number of you in this room and like I was with my dad for a pretty extended season, you're not actually ready <laughs> to, to reconcile. You're not ready to address the situation if you're gonna be honest about it. And what I wanna say is that if you're holding on to something that deep down in your soul, you know is an issue, maybe it's related to a difficult relationship or maybe you're just holding on to something else and you know you need to deal with it, but you're just not ready right now in this moment, I wanna encourage you as you leave the service today to take a rock. At all of our exits, we have, uh, we have rocks that you can pick up really as a, as a way of signifying, you know what? Yeah, I'm just gonna acknowledge that difficult relationship. I'm gonna acknowledge that difficult thing. Doesn't mean I'm gonna do anything today, okay? But I'm gonna acknowledge it. And I want you to keep it with you where it'll be a reminder of what potentially you need to do. And, and just ask God to use that rock to speak to you in whatever way he wants to speak to you. Let me pray for us. God, um, difficult relationships are just tough. Lord, we know that you love us and you want us free from anger and bitterness and those things that, that weigh us down, God. Lord, we know that you have a heart for reconciliation, God, but, but reconciliation isn't always possible. So, so Lord, just help us. Help us to navigate those difficult relationships in our lives, God. Show us what that looks like. Show us, God, what to do. Please help us. We need your help. In Christ's name, amen.